In the battle for culture, the Weekly Kingdom Outlook, let's go. Greetings, folks. How are you doing? Uh, Apostle Lewis here with you. So glad to be here with you this week. Uh, week of, uh, let's see, today, Sunday, the 5th of February. Already a month like that goes by. And that's how quick time flies at times. And so uh, here we are talking about, I want to talk about the culture war that's going on. And, and I want to tell you why the church is so ineffective with the culture war that's going on right now. And part of the reason why is because part of that battle is within the church itself. That the culture war, where the church is divided, and wherever the church is divided, remember, every kingdom divided falls. Every, every, Jesus didn't sit there and say, Jesus says, look, if, if the kingdom of God was divided, if Satan's kingdom was divided, it will fall. Every kingdom divided falls. Now, God's ultimate kingdom can never fail because he's God. But as far as the church, when the church is divided, it's not going to find a lot of strength. And so you, you literally have to sometimes close ranks, in a sense, and, and find those people that carry the agreement with you. Because not everybody um, believes in this culture war. There are those in the church that will profane absolute foolishness when it comes to sexual morality and what God expects. They don't use the Bible. They don't use scripture. They don't, they don't use any of that. And that becomes a real battle that we're, we're going to be facing. Remember Jesus told us, he said to be cautious of the leaven of, Farin, Far, uh, of Herod, and the, boy, I put a couple of those together, and also be cautious of the leaven of the Pharisees. And remember, no words, look, there's a religious group out there, they have a leaven, okay? And there's also the leaven of of. The political system that has eleven, but there's also eleven of the kingdom, and I think that for a lot of people, they don't understand these things that we are in this battle. We have, we have those who would um, um, would act like there is no there's no battle. The church, Jesus is okay. He's just sitting up there and he's going, oh, the church is so wonderful. I, I, I love in the show Chosen when it's the end of uh, season two and Matthew is helping Jesus, you know, or he's recording, he's writing down what Jesus is going to say in the great, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And he goes, what'd you think I was going to do, Matthew? Just come back and say, hey folks, uh, everything you've been doing the last 1500 years has been wonderful you know, and that's what people actually think. They think that they think that God accepts accepts that which He did not ask for or desire. That's what they believe. They they we come to this mentality. We forget that He is God, and we sometimes come to this mentality that God so loves us, He just will accept anything we do. And I want you to know, nothing displeases uh, my spirit more when I have this attitude like God has to accept whatever I give him. He does not. God loves me. This is true. This is absolute truth. He loves me. But that doesn't mean he accepts everything I do or will receive everything I do. He loves me. He only wants the best for me, but he's not going to compromise for me. He's not going to compromise his integrity, his character, his nature, his personhood. He's not going to do that. God is not going to do that. God's not going to become unjust 
for me. God's not going to come, you know, uh, distruth or disinformation for me. God's not going to become uh, immoral for me. Okay, God is God. And so I have to know that. So let's just go over a couple of scriptures. Um, one of the things Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. So we got the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. He says, hey, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay. That's another thing he said. He also told us to, in, in Mark, he said, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So we have these different leaven. We have a political system leaven. We can see that. But that's in the church as well. There is a political leaven within the church. And it is how you are a man pleaser, how you try to, uh, you know, uh, the political spirit um, is out to get votes. <laughs> it's out to be popular. What What is a candidate in a political atmosphere want to do? He wants to get as many people to vote for him. And they, how many, how many know that in that, the politician will say just about anything. That's what shocked him with Donald Trump. Now, you might not agree with, you might say Donald Trump was a little harsh. I don't think he was actually that harsh. I just think we had been so used to politicians saying what we wanted to hear and doing something different that here came a president or a candidate that said not only what we wanted to hear, but then did it. And that was shocking. That, that was such like a shock to the system of America and to the political sphere because they were all playing the game. And he knew the game because as a, as a you know, elite businessman, and he was when you're worth $10 billion, you're an elite businessman, he, know, he knew all the dark secrets of them. Okay, he knew about all their scumbag things they were doing. He knew how they took bribes, how he had to pay off people just to get buildings built because they would squeeze them. If you're not going to give us a little money for our campaign, we're going to maybe vote against you. Doesn't care if it's good for the citizen, good for the city. They don't care about that. It was all about them, the political spirit. And then you have the religious spirit. And the religious spirit um, is, it creates rules that God didn't create. Now, this is hard, and I keep saying this, but this is really hard for Christians to understand because they don't look up history. But there's only about 252 laws in the Torah. There's 613 in Judaism because they created laws. Jesus said this. You create, you give the people commandments that you yourself would not use one finger. In other words, you know, you guys are creating all these burdens um, um, upon the people but you yourself will not even use a finger to, to assist in that. You won't even do that. You're like, no, we'll put the weight on you, but we ourselves, we're not going to put that on us. And, and Jesus spoke about it, you know. And it's really, um, really interesting. Um, it, it's really sad because we still do that today, okay? We still do that today. Um, <clears throat> it, it's 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 we're we're gonna, now. I believe in listen. I believe in the Word of God. I believe the Word of God is truth. I believe it's infallible. I believe it's perfect, and I believe I do believe when God says be sexually pure. I I believe that. I don't think that it's okay to go out there and have sex outside of my marriage 
before my marriage. Look, I was a sinner. I repented for all of that in my life. Okay? Even, look, God has blessed me. I, I've been, me and Kathy have been married for 35 years and about a week and a half, somewhere around that. Okay? Almost two weeks. We've been married a long time. We were a mess when we got married. We did everything wrong. And I don't brag about that. I repented from all of that before the Lord. I, I No, he didn't say, well, because you did it wrong, you got to give up your marriage. That wasn't what he said. He said, you know, you're in this covenant, but do it my way. And that's what we've done. Okay? And I... I'm so grateful for him. But what do you, you know, why is that so difficult? So when people sit there and say homosexuality is okay, what else is okay? Is, 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 is having more than one wife, is it okay for me? Um, let's say I was a single minister. Is it okay for me to sleep around with women in the church? And you go, no, no, no. Why not? People go, well, if two individuals love each other, oh, so if two individuals love each other, that makes it okay. That's not the standard. Okay, the scriptures are the standard. And this culture, listen, this, I've been looking, I've, I've been warning about this for 20 years. This is a cultural battle that's not so much with the world. We're having this cultural battle within the church. That's what's the problem. We're not recognizing that our culture war is not, is not, listen to me, it is not. With the world. It is with the church. It is with those who call themselves believers, but do not believe the word of God. They call themselves believers. But this book means nothing to them. They call themselves believers. But you might as well, obeying God, that doesn't matter. This is, this is what they'll say. Well, God knows... Um, I'm frail. God knows I know there's no effort. There's no real repentance. There's no by the way, but half of them don't come in the church with repentance. We preach a message that says believe in Jesus and get saved, but never any repentance. And even though believe in Jesus get saved is true, it leaves out the part where it says, repent for your sins. You go, well, where does it say that? Where, where's that in the message? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm so, so thankful for you asking those questions. Let's turn to Acts chapter 2. Okay. <clears throat> Verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. You know what? You know, Peter explains to them all their sins, Israel's sins. Now, you know what Israel didn't have a problem with? Israel didn't have a problem with um, homosexuality. It wasn't their problem. Their problem was false worship, mixture with false gods, disobeying the covenant. That was their problem. Okay? Now, listen. <laughs> and he preached all this. You crucified, not only to this, you crucified Jesus. He came to you, his people, and you killed him. You know? And he says this, And said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men of brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent 
and be baptized. In other words, repentance, forsake what you have done in your ways, your old ways. Repent means to come back to the Father, okay, and be baptized, get cleansed from your sins, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He told them to repent. I'm telling you, the church, I've been in big churches where the altar call requires zero repentance. There is zero. All, what they're doing is they're saying, oh, God loves you. And he just wants you to believe in his name and you'll go to heaven. By the way, that's, that's not the kingdom. Repent. And be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission of your sins. Well, what are you repenting of? Disobe disobedience to everything. I want you to know that this culture war in the church, God, absolutely, two things are true. You can be in complete sin and God totally loves you. But two things, other things can also be true. God totally loves you, but he is totally displeased with the way you're acting. And by the way, I don't believe, I really don't believe that you can uh, say you believe in Jesus, but then you question the word of God. Wow. Where does it say that, Pastor? Certainly, you know, this was written by men, and God doesn't really make us know this. This is stuff that goes on in the church, folks. Forget about the world. I hear this from the world, okay? But forget about that. This just happens within the church. We're having this problem. <clears throat> Listen to this. John chapter 4. We're just going to start at verse 43. I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. And if another come, shall come in his own name, him you will receive. How can ye believe which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom ye trust. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? In other words, if you don't believe what Moses wrote, how can you really believe God? You can't sit there and say, I don't believe Genesis. I don't believe Exodus. I don't believe Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and Numbers. I don't believe that. I don't believe the Psalms. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe the prophets. I don't believe that. But I believe in you, Jesus. No. No, no. Because the, 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 one of the ways we know that Jesus is the one is because what he fulfilled out of the old. Moses did speak of Jesus. Deuteronomy 18. Now you go. You could go. Well, I, I I don't believe Jesus the one. Okay, there's consequences with that too. Okay, you're not. Well, I there's I can come to. I I hear Christians say stuff like this. Well, you know, to each his own. No, not to each his own. Not to each his own. You know, one of the one of the things people understand about like supernatural signs and wonders, when your heart is not hungry to be obedient and loving and like worship and pursuing God. God doesn't do miracles around you.
Treating the supernatural. I cannot live outside the kingdom and bring the kingdom. I've got I've to make a determination in my life that I'm going to seek the kingdom first. Matthew chapter 6. Let's, you know, I got a little time here. I got a little time. I got a little time. Let's read Matthew chapter 6 here. I'm reading out of the King James because my Bible's down in my bag and I don't want to get up and do that. So we're just going to read out of the King James Version. Sorry about that. Let's just start at 24. 624. Ready for this? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and he'll despise us. In other words, you can't serve both. So I'm either going to love God, I'm going to love Jesus, I'm going to love the kingdom of God, or I'm going to love the world. I can't do both. He's going to use other information, he's going to use other allegories in this, and metaphors in this, but I can't serve two. Either Jesus Christ is my Lord, or I'm my Lord. Or my wife's my Lord. Or my husband's my Lord. Is he my Lord? Or is someone else my Lord? He's my Lord. Listen, you cannot serve God and mammon, the spirit of money. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. He's not saying, look, my wife, just she's got a business trip coming up. She just went and got some clothes. He's not talking about that. How many know you have to you buy clothes for you? He's not talking like, don't even think about it. That's not what he's trying to say. He says, it's talking about worry. We're going to get there. We're going to show. And me, uh, let's see, uh, is it your body? Uh, what shall we put on it? Is not your life more than meat and your body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in a barn, yet your heavenly Father uh, feedeth them. In other words, you know, sometimes people are so worried about tomorrow, so worried about the next day, they'll compromise today because they're afraid of tomorrow. Okay? That's one, of the, that's one that leads to compromise. You know, I, I, won't, I won't do what's right in giving. I won't do what's right in praying for people. I won't do it because I'm afraid for tomorrow. Okay? Listen, behold the fowls of the air, or we already did it, are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why do you take thought for raiment, for clothes? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil, and not, and neither do they spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Therefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? In other words, when you don't think God's going to provide, that is not the kingdom. It doesn't mean you don't work. It doesn't mean you sit home and you watch soap operas. It's not what he's saying. But there is a worry, a fear about tomorrow that causes compromise today. And you begin to direct your life about gaining things instead of leaning, trusting, and relying on Christ. And I have to rely on him for everything in my life. Listen to this. <clears throat> Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, what shall we drink, or whatever, or uh, wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth 
that he hath need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is evil thereof. Look, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things God will take care of. But in the church, most people aren't seeking the kingdom. What they're seeking, listen, they're not seeking the kingdom. They're seeking God for all these things. They seek God for all the stuff, but they're not seeking the kingdom. They're not seeking the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. People don't like, like I'm telling you, a lot of people don't like that answer. No, you don't understand. You don't, no, I do understand. I know what it's like to be poor. I know what it's like to be broke. I, I literally know what it's like to be broke. Me and Kathy know what it's like to have no money. We know what it's like. We know what it's like hoping that our direct deposit gets in there before that, you know, $4, you know, check goes through. Yeah, we know what that's like. We've been that poor. We know what it's like. We know, we know what it's like. Now, we're not out of debt, but we are, we are blessed. We're not out of debt, but we're blessed. And we're working our way out. We reduce our debt every month, our debt load. It's going down every month. We only have our home payment and our kids' student loan. That's it. Got rid of everything else. But I'm just telling you, like, we know what it's like. So don't tell me you don't know what it's like. No, I know what it's like. I seek him with everything I got. Everything in my being is after him. And, and that's, the, that's one of the culture wars. Forget about the culture war that we have going on about homosexuality. Half the church believes homosexuality is okay. Now, they might say that because, some might say that because they don't want to be unpopular. But when we have the church, we have sexual immorality within the church. That is a huge problem with God. Huge problem. Because now, when you worship Are you really worshiping him? Are you patting yourself on the back? Tell you what, next week we'll talk more about this. I just want you to understand this is the culture war. In the church, not everyone in the church is of the church. You have to know that. Many will come from the east and the west and they'll sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But the sons of the kingdom will be shut out into outer darkness. Jesus spoke this very scary word. Here's another word that always, that like always scared me. It's, it's in back in the Beatitudes again, Matthew chapter seven. And when I read this, when I was a baby Christian, like this was like one of the, this was like the thing that really made me think, oh God, I would pray, Lord, don't ever let me be deceived. I, I literally would pray, Lord, because it, it shook me. I, I, I'm afraid it doesn't shake a lot of people. But let's read this, 721 through 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that, is that amazing? Do you know you can't say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit, but not everyone who even says it will enter the kingdom of heaven? But he that doeth the will 
of my Father which is in heaven. Now let me ask you something. <laughs> let me ask you something. Does that sound like I prayed a prayer when I was seven, believed Jesus, then I go live my own life, do my own thing, and I'm going to heaven? Does that sound like it doesn't matter what I do? It doesn't to me. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied? Listen, listen, what they, have we not prophesied in your name? And in thy name have cast out demons, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And Jesus will, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You know what that means? It means, depart from me, ye, and this is really important to understand, um, that what he's saying is, iniquity is self-will. If you say, and say wrongly, by the way, well, there is no law today. No, there is. You go, well, wait a minute. He said to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Are you doing that? I want to ask you that question. Are you loving the Lord thy God with all of your heart? Which means, folks, when that hard word comes, okay, when that hard word comes, do you love that more than yourself? Or do you go, oh, I, 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 you know, I, I love you, but I love you enough to obey that one. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. That, that's not, I mean, not everyone does that. Let's look up this word, iniquity. Transgression of the law, iniquity. Lawless, not having, knowing, or acknowledging the law. Or without having law. You go, wait a minute, look, we're not under the law. No, you're not under the law for your righteousness sake. You receive your righteousness by faith in Christ. But what, what does it mean, faith in Christ? I believe that you fulfilled everything perfectly. It doesn't mean, Jesus, huh, it doesn't mean I don't have to be perfect. It doesn't mean I don't have to be flawless. I'm never going to be probably flawless. I, I understand that. There will be days that, even though you know, my goal of 2023 is so having my thought life so centered on Christ. Like, and I can tell you, one month down, just keeping my thought life centered on the Lord. And it's been wonderful. Now, I, I mean, like, I don't normally, didn't normally, I, I made that goal when I first got saved, like to get my thoughts in control. But I mean, to really, right now, it's like to constantly be thinking about the kingdom all day long. It's been wonderful. But Jesus gave you a commandment to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. First, that's the first commandment. It's not to love your neighbor as yourself. First one is to love him. You have to fully, completely love him. His ways. Listen, you got to love his word. You got to love his will. And you got to love his ways. He speaks his word. You now know his will. You have to conform to his ways to do it. Okay? You can't sit there 
and go, I love you, Jesus, but I'm going to do it my own way. That's not loving him with all your might, all your soul, with all your might, with all your heart. That's not. See, because you could say you love him. See, I can tell my wife I love you. And then if, I, if I'm flirting with another girl, do I love my wife with all my heart? No, because I gave part of my heart to this other girl. I didn't love her with my whole heart. Do you understand? I didn't love her. I, I always tell, like, I raise up a lot of single women, a lot of beautiful women I've, I've had around me. And I always tell them, um, there are areas that we will never talk about because there are areas that are reserved only for my wife. Only for her. Only for her. Only for her. There are things, There's the, my, my whole heart, is given unto the Lord. He could speak into every area. You go, know, how does it, in loving your wife conflict? Now, how you know it doesn't conflict? Because when God tells me to do something, it's his ways. I don't go to my wife and ask her permission. Now, I might, the great thing is about a great marriage is that we're able to sit there and go, hey, I really believe the Lord wants us to do this. Or I don't, I don't say that. I go, hey, the Lord spoke to me. And he wants me to do this. And she's, she's, she's been so wonderful just to go, do it. Do what the Lord's told you to do. She's done it. She, I remember, I remember years ago, um, she was thinking about, she, she was debating whether to work part-time or and put the kids back in school or homeschool. And I remember her sitting there waking up at five o'clock in the morning and look, and she said to me, she woke up and I woke up and she said, the Lord spoke to me that I'm to homeschool the kids. And I said, obey him. So I said, obey him. Do what he said to do. That was our deal. Okay. That's not everyone. Everyone else wants to logically figure it out. We just always obey. Then look, we hear his word. We surrender to it. We know his will. We obey it. And then we seek him for the way to fulfill it. That's just how we function. Okay. She, by the way, my wife is awesome. I hope you I look at him who finds a good wife, finds a great thing. And uh, I, I don't know how I found her, but uh, it's absolutely a blessing in my life. And I don't apologize for it at all. I hope I get another 35 years on this earth with her. Uh, we talk about it. We, you know, we get to 93. We go, if we get to, she gets, I get to 92. I said, we get that old. We can make 70 years of being married together. Honestly, because when it's over, it's over. We're not married anymore. But we so love each other. And, and give each other that liberty of obeying the Lord. Because sometimes he tells her to do stuff. And why does he tell you both at the same time? Because she has to be accountable sometimes for, for her life. I'm just, I'm just her husband here on earth. He's always her daughter, I tell her. You're always his daughter. I'm, he just gave it to me as a wife on earth. But we get there, we're not husband and wife. You're going to be his daughter. And I don't want to be on his bad side when it comes to her. So, because he loves my wife a lot. Okay? Amen? Look, that's the culture war. It's not outside. The world has always been crazy. The culture war. That's why we need an awakening. That's why we need revival in the church. And we're not going to have revival uh, until we can preach a word that cuts people's hearts. Okay? Cuts people's hearts and they repent. We need to pray. Father, Father, do whatever you must do in us 
so that we can be used by you to bring whatever level you want us to bring of your kingdom to people, to the church, the church of all, and then to the world. Give us that. Give us that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. I love you. May you be absolutely just hungry. But look, if you have to, and I'm just going to tell you, if you have to repent, repent. If you haven't been giving God your whole heart, just repent and say, God, renew. Oh. I, I love Psalm 51. I tell people when you, you know, David knew how to repent. Read it and just pray through with him. Wash me, cleanse me. Restore my soul and renew a right spirit in me. I just, I just love that David prayed for all three parts. His out, outer court, his inner court, and his most holy place. I love that. I love that. If you have any questions, comments, please put in the post. Like and subscribe wherever you're watching this. I love you. God bless you. And I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.